Okay, are you ready for it? A storming preach. Here's, here's where I'll, I'll start. Um, I think we are in a time of tremendous acceleration right now. It's well known that crisis is an accelerator. It's an accelerator of all sorts of things, good, bad, and ugly. Everything speeds up and gets exaggerated in a crisis. And that's what's going on right now. I even had a dream. Ah, what would it have been? Beginning of the year, I think, something like that. And as I was coming out of out of sleep into my awakened state, I had this sense of accelerating uh, 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 along a road, through valleys, over hills. It was almost like being on a super quick roller coaster. Then it was almost like at times it went through a haunted house. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, scary things were whizzing by, and I really felt God saying, "This is a time of acceleration and things speeding up." And what I want to do today is talk about two dangerous things that I see accelerating in the world right now. And this is really important to you because I want you to make it and complete the race that God has got you to run. I want you to get to the end of all he's called you to do. Okay, so these are two dangerous accelerations that are taking place right now that I believe uh, the crisis is causing this acceleration and these accelerations of these changes or these negative things uh, really will cause an even greater crisis in your life if you let it. So two dangerous accelerations going on in the world right now that will be affecting you and me and I've been meditating on quite a bit. And then I'm going to follow that up with two solutions, two truths that can set you free from the dangers of these accelerations. Okay, are you ready? Let's go. Okay, here's the first dangerous thing that's accelerating right now. It's that Sunday-centric church is failing. Now, of course, it's easy to relate that it's failing under the pandemic. Churches were closed down and then even struggling to get back to attendance with all the, 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 the various ways we have to dance around restrictions in these last 18 months. But the reality is that Sunday attendance has been failing for decades. What's happened under the pandemic is it's suddenly accelerated. Now, church sociologists and people that are observing what is going on right now would say this isn't just medical what's happening in churches across the world. This is an acceleration of a culture that was already there. Now, I believe there's a changeover thing, a changeover happening in the life of church from one style of church to another. But in this moment, there is a danger that there's a falling away completely from the things of God and the things of church. And we've got to remember that church is God's answer to the world of how people can walk together and live together, experience, experiencing his glory. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 24 and verse 10. He said this, at that time, what time? It's kind of the end days, the last days. We're kind of in that now. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I want you to stand firm and not fall away in this difficult, accelerating season. What's happening with the acceleration? Uh, well, it's this. Uh, attendance is going down. Of course, under the pandemic, people are thinking, 
huh, I've got my Sundays back. I can talk to Jesus without being in church on a Sunday. Like I say, that's been growing for quite a while. The sense that people can feel devoted to God, they might tithe, but actually go to church one Sunday in three has been a growing trend as the older, more dutiful generation uh, to put it bluntly, dying off. There's a different generation coming through that don't see church in the same Sunday-centric light. Now, church, we have to adapt to this in some way. If not, what is going to happen is simply there will be a generation that falls away. I believe church needs to shift from Sunday-centric to seven-day-centric. It needs to shift from a show to being true church. Listen to this little tweet. Have I got it here? I looked at it earlier. I thought, well, this says it so well. Why, why would I say any different? Um, this is by Christy Wimber. She says, there's a lot COVID has made clear about the church. People don't need a show of flash. They don't need to be entertained. They don't need special effects. People just need encouragement, community, and the ongoing reminder to look to Jesus as he hasn't abandoned them. There is a shift going on right now from platform-centric, you know, lights, camera, action, back to community, gospel. It's almost like a shift that a persecuted church has to make when you go, what is the real thing? What are we drawing people to? Is it the quality of our coffee and the quality of our music? Or is it worship, knowing Jesus, praying for each other, sharing the gospel, bringing the kingdom to a hurting world? There has to be a shift. The danger in this time is that as we shift from Sunday-centric to seven-day-centric church, some will miss what God is doing and will fall away. Is God doing it or is it culture? It could be a bit of both, but I see that it's a really dangerous season and a dangerous moment right now. Uh, Jesus talking about the fact that there'll come a stage in the end days when the hearts of many will grow cold. Backsliding is a path that sneaks up on you. And before you realise it, your heart has shifted so far and you think, how did I end up in this wilderness? It's because of a practical decision made early on. In this shifting time, stick with your church, wherever that is. I know loads of you are not from Revive, so stick with your church and keep going to navigate towards the future together. I'll talk more about that in a minute when I bring solutions to these. So here's the first one. There's an acceleration of Sunday-centric church failing. And it could be really powerful and really good. And I think God is up to something. But there's a danger in the cultural shift too, that many might fall away. So listen carefully when I bring the solution in a minute. Right, here's the second dangerous acceleration taking place right now. The second dangerous thing that's accelerating right now is a rising of fear like never before. And fear is not just that thing that keeps you safe from a cliff edge or stops you being silly in fast traffic. Fear can also, we know, be very irrational, very powerful and lead to all kinds of sicknesses and complications. Listen to what the Bible says about fear in the last days. Luke 21, uh, 
verse 10. Let me do a little preamble to it. Verse 10 says, Then Jesus said, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be great earthquakes, famines and plagues in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. And in verse 25, I think it is, yes, there it is. It says, There'll be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the seas. I mean, if that isn't a picture of of all the world's worries right now with everything from climate change to plagues and wars and all this kind of stuff. It goes on, men will faint from terror, apprehensive at what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. The Passion Version says, what men see coming to the earth will cause the fear of doom to grip their hearts, for they will even see the powers of the heavenly realm shaken. A sense of, one version says, they'll faint from terror or they'll faint with fear. There's a rising tide of fear. And if you think about this um, sociologically across the Western world even, let's begin with, because that's the world that most of us are living in, this sense of of a fearful world out there that we need to hide from is growing. Even in the lives of our 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 young students coming through, have you noticed all the language of we need safe spaces? We need safe spaces. Not from, you know, dangerous, violent people. Yes, absolutely. But even I need a safe space from an opinion I disagree with. Some universities have got people, you know, checking every university document or newspaper that goes out to make sure there's not any offensive phrases in there. People want a world. It's rising up that I shouldn't have to fear that nervous tingling of fear about anything. I shouldn't be made nervous at all. And so the world has, is, has been for quite a while becoming obsessed about safety. We live in a health and safety world, don't we? We live in a caution first world. Where is that generation of missionaries that we know take all the bits of their body out that might get them in trouble before they head off into the mission field because there's no medical care on the mission field? Where is that generation that would pack their, their, uh, their, um, their coffin with them as they headed off to the mission field. Those brave people that pioneered nations around the world. Here we are sitting today feeling that we need to put up defences against somebody else's reasonable differing opinion to our own. We live in a world that's becoming obsessed about safety because it's obsessed about fear, an anxiety-driven world. We all know the stats. Mental health, anxiety, fear, stress is the biggest epidemic in the world, not COVID, and has been ravaging our planet in increasing ways for some time. And now we find ourselves in a world where fear has just accelerated and amplified even more because of COVID and the events of the last 18 months. Um, uh, We want um, medical safety. We, We want safety from... Uh, other people's opinions or ways of life or ways of thinking. Uh, The reality is, hmm, a little bit of a warning from history, I suppose you could say, often there's a drive for medical safety and medical purity behind some of the most cruel regimes that has ever been in our world history. And it's driven by a funny mix of morality and fear. Fear is a very powerful demonic force when unleashed improperly 
uh, it's useful to keep you from cliff edges. But this acceleration in fear right now has a great danger to it. And I want to speak very bravely to you about the concept of fear, not as someone who's uber brave all the time. On the contrary, someone who has to fight fear uh, quite a lot to get through life. So, But I think we can do it. So I'm going to be a little bit honest about it. I might say some of the most honest things I've said about the world in the last 18 months in the next few minutes. So brace yourselves. So there's an acceleration of the decline of Sunday-centric Christianity. And it's a danger point for us, even though I believe many great things can come out of it as we adjust probably back to a model that was more like the early church. And boy, were they powerful. There is an acceleration and an amplification of fear like many of us have never seen in our lifetime. And the current generation is so susceptible to it. How do we overcome fear? Well, let me hit on two key truths that I think will help us with these two things. And let's trust God that the truth will set us free. Are you ready? Brace yourself. (laughs) Okay, let's find a solution for fear. I mean, one solution obviously to the Christian is God's perfect love drives out all fear. Love, when it reaches full maturity and perfection in your heart, drives away fear. But but is there more that we can do in a time like this when, I don't know about you, it seems like the world is entangled in emotion and information and disinformation that is creating incredible swirling fear that if we're not careful will affect our behavior and decisions for decades to come. Here's my first solution that I want to put to you today and let's deal with the fear one. Um, Your reasoning matters. God has given us the ability not just to approach life with emotion or sensation but also to approach life with reasoning. I mean, when God said to Abraham, sacrifice your son, which of course we know he ultimately didn't, but he was, he was testing him. It says that Abraham reasoned with faith. He brought his rationale and his faith in God together and he, he worked out using his God-given mind and wisdom what this event might mean. And we need to do the same in a world that is awash with information from all sorts of sources. I want to say to you, here's the first solution. Your reasoning, your wisdom really matters. And I want to say to people, uh, quite bluntly, if you are going to disentangle from the fear going on in the world right now, we need to start doing good research. Because I'm going to be blunt, I, I don't think we can believe every Hawaiian shirted person on YouTube that claims that lizards are running the world. But I also, currently in this day and age, it's pretty obvious that a lot of things have been politicized and there's all sorts of arguments flying around and it's very hard to literally take for granted every piece of information delivered by a man in a suit on mainstream media. There's definitely, it's been shown enough times provably that disinformation is going on and incompetence is going on. Now, incompetence is neither here nor there if it doesn't harm anyone, really. But the truth is fear washing our lives because of misinformation can cause great harm for a very long time. I believe it's time that we need to sit down and think rationally about the future and what's going on. I can't ever remember a time in my 51 years of being alive when 
the amount of people dying from anything has been declared as a mainstream news moment every single day. We are just not used to hearing those death figures, even though when we research it, we know in our country 1,500 people at least are dying every single day of various things like heart disease and cancers and and uh, and stuff like that. There's all sorts of things happening every single day, and it's extremely sad. But our psyches aren't made to be bombarded with the thought of death day in, day out. Here's a little thing that I did, because I've had to kind of rationalise my way through. What is really going on? Um, I looked it up earlier. What is the death rate of COVID? And I didn't want the generous answer, uh, the one that made me feel as safe as possible, because some would go, there's a 99.8% chance you'll survive COVID. So I, I went to a fact checker website to go, That's, that might be a bit too generous because some people think that 10% of the population have died. Polls are showing this. Some people think 10% of the population's died under COVID. Um, it's nothing like that at all. Um, and so I checked out this fact. And so even this, this far more, um, uh, this one that did not want to give away anything basically said, no, it's not 99.8, that's not true. They said, it's more like 99.5. Listen, here's a thought. If you sat down with your doctor and he said, I'm really sorry, you've got phalange disease. I don't know, I'll make up something. You've got phalange disease and you go, oh, doc, what does that mean? He said, well, it means there's a 99.5% a chance of survival. And any other circumstances, pre-COVID, you or I would go, Phew, thank you, doc. Ach. Right, let's get on with the treatment. Let's get it over with. Wonderful. And yet here we are in this time with a disease that has a 99.5% chance of survival, and that is the cautious estimates these days put on fact checker websites, and we're still in a place of real fear. And now I know we're all in different places in life. Some really are vulnerable. Some are going through anxiety issues and, and um, mental struggles, and I've got every sympathy for that because I've been there. I know what that's like. So don't take this as a harsh thing. Take it as a how can my reason and my research help me through this time? Because if we just believe the headlines of every newspaper, well, they're terrifying one day and slightly reassuring the next, and it becomes a very, very strange season. We need to take responsibility in this day and age for our own research to research both sides of the stories. This is what I've been doing the whole time. I've not got into my own little echo chamber on one side, but to go, what are both sides saying? And how can I find what appears to be something like the truth in the middle? Because I do not want to be captivated by fear in this time. We need to do our research, don't we? Um, it's really, hmm, it's a difficult one for people in the UK. Do you know that the UK is ranked as one of in this COVID time as one of the most fearful countries in the world. That is, our ranking is up there in the top three, I believe it is. One of the most fearful countries in the world. That might be to do with the way the government has brought messages uh, to you know, get our population to, to cooperate with lockdowns and guidelines and all this kind of stuff. And you might agree with that. But the problem off the back of it is if you unleash irrational fear, it's not just here's some statistics about COVID, but it's don't kill granny. If we unleash irrational fear, 
it will have a psychological effect. And strangely, here's another thing. Do you know one of the top main problems with COVID? Um, we know that, you know, as, as you're older, it gets more complex. We know that if you're obese or you have comorbidities, it gets more popular. Uh, complex. But you know, amongst those top few, anxiety is one of the top causes of COVID being uh, uh, more difficult to overcome. Anxiety. And yet anxiety has been unleashed on the population, whether you think it's on purpose or as a simple side effect of a scary time like this. But either way, I want to say, I'm not going to give you what opinion to hold. Uh, I'm just going to say, do some research. Don't just believe headlines. Uh, there are eminent epidemiologists, Nobel Prize winning epidemiologists, scientists, doctors, consultants and professors out there that are giving very different signals to, uh, um, uh, to either side of what's been going on in this time. There are opinions out there and we need to, I believe, go find some truth that within it you can find a pathway to chart with a sense of, okay, I think I get a sense of what's going on and what the dangers really are. We need to get used to being at slight risk, don't we? That We've got to remember that every time we've got on a plane or every time we've got in a car, there's a risk associated it to it. We need to stay brave, otherwise we'd never do anything. We'll sit at home and never go out and do all that God called us to do. Remember the bravery of Princess Diana? when she publicly hugged an AIDS patient for what was certainly in public the first time anyone had seen. And her act of bravery recalibrated what the danger actually was. And irrational fear turned into an irrational response, not an irrational response, a rational response. We need to bring our reasoning to this. Because I'm sorry to say that I personally believe, no scientist, but I'm a pastor and I'm pretty well read, that if we just believe the headlines that are swirling around right now, we will find that there is a lot more irrational fear being stirred up than just caution. So bring your reasoning to this to help you through. Your ability to reason matters. And so go and research. Don't just reinforce what you want to be the truth. Go and research and find good information. It is out there. And let's have the truth disentangle us. The truth set us free from an entanglement of fear that could actually change our lives for a lifetime. That's my first one. Do some research. Let's go deeper because I'm just seeing so much fear and so much mental illness rise up in this time. It's everywhere right now. And um, we need to find a way through and out the other side. So go do some research. Here's the second one. So the solutions, number one, your reasoning matters. God give us wisdom to be rational and wise in this time, as well as careful and cautious where we need to be and brave and embracing where we need to be. But here's the second one. And this is more about, I suppose, that first danger I spoke about in this time when the acceleration of the decline of Sunday-centric Christianity is taking place. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's a truth that I hope will set you free 
and keep you walking on God's path for you. I want you to understand something. Your presence matters. In a time when the spirit of the age, the spirit of the world will be all about individualism and consumerism and all that matters is me and how I'm feeling. There's a great danger that the end result of that is actually great isolation and great loss. I want you to understand because it's so easy to feel that you know well maybe he or she or her or them they're consequential but I'm inconsequential. I want you to understand your presence really matters. There's a command in the Bible in Hebrews 10 and uh, let me kind of do the build-up to give it context. Hebrews 10 23 Uh, It says, um, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Hope is something you've got to hold on to to get you through. How are we going to do that? Uh, It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love uh, and good deeds. Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching i want you to grasp your presence with your community however that is expressed whether it's a sunday morning church or a tuesday night prayer meeting or however it is that you meet whether it's to pray or for a classic service your presence matters you bring something and let me just say this absence has a sound not just it's not just turning up that brings your sound every time you're missing there is a grace there's a sound missing from the room of the part of the body of christ where you were born to connect now i understand those that are extremely vulnerable right now uh, uh struggling with the sense of getting together with others and i totally understand um you've got a wonderful friend who was nine years bedbound with a terrible disease and fought her way through to a miracle in god and and is wonderfully healed so there are terrible seasons but if we look for the way that god has designed us as as biological in soul and sinew people and how the church is is called to operate gathering matters your presence matters your absence from your church again i know lots of you watching are not from revive and i i I love that you take the time to come and listen to us here but your presence in your church family really really matters let me disentangle you from what what might have become a a period of 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 getting used to sitting at home on a sunday or approaching life in a really different way i know that will be different for every single one but try and find the truth in this for you your presence matters and your absence speaks and somewhere there is grace missing in someone's life if you don't turn up to season a conversation with grace to bring the bit of god that you bring to everything you your presence matters and your absence speaks loudly I was meeting with uh, uh, well I've met with several groups of leaders in the last couple of weeks and I was so struck there was uh, some of them uh, I had not seen properly other than in passing a couple of times for about 18 months and you sit down with people having not really connected with them for 18 months and you realize wow even you know lovely devoted uh, godly people um, 
end up in such different places on a journey if we don't spend time together. We end up fragmented. And when there's a fragmentation of natural relationship, there's then a fragmentation of trust. And as the old saying goes, everything moves at the speed of trust. There's a, there's a sense where, wow, what has the pandemic accelerated in our absence from each other? And then, you know, throw into that the simple weariness of what's gone on these 18 months. Your presence spurs me on. The presence of godly people encourages me and I, I hope I encourage someone. There's something about being together. Philippians, I've, I've got it just here. Philippians 2, is it verse, verse 2? says this, Make my joy complete, Paul writes to the Philippians, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. That's impossible to do uh, just online with a monologue conversation, isn't it? It's not, it's not really church. I know it can be a backup and used miraculously to bring healing into people's lives. But we were made for community. We were made for company. I remember an old test. Oh gosh, I'm ad-libbing now. I preached this once, you know, in the days when they do lots of tests on monkeys and stuff like that. They put these monkeys in stressful situations in solitary and the stress levels were off the chart. But then they left them in a, in a, I suppose, a cage in those days, but with just one buddy, one friend, another ape, monkey, whatever that they got on with. And the stress levels came right down. Hey, little monkey, <laughs> you and I, just being together brings our stress levels down. That anxiety we spoke about in the last point just begins to reduce by being together, by reasoning together by talking together, by letting the grace of God, faith and hope and relationship do something. You literally bring a grace of God into my life. That's not just theoretical or, or an, a nice pleasant thought from a preacher. Literally, I acquire God's grace through you. Your presence matters. My worry, not just for Revive Church, but for all churches right now, is that as the grace of being together lifts off churches, many churches are fragmenting, there are going to be churches that don't make it the other side of the pandemic. Some are saying thousands of them. There are going to be churches that, that simply don't make it the other side of this difficult time. Churches that will close down and has been prophesied by some prophets recently. And I'm like, really? And then I'm like, I thought about everything else going on. This is what was said. I haven't told you yet. Have I? They said there's going to be church splits in this season. And it's like you can see it from the fragmentation. If we don't realize the truth that we need to find a place of bravery somehow and find the right environment to meet. But your presence matters. It's so powerful. It makes a statement when you're there and it makes a statement when we're not. Wherever you're watching from, whatever church you belong to, make a plan if you medically can to get back into fellowship, to get back into that small group it could be. Or to get back into that, that, that could be that Sunday service, or I think we're going to go to, there's going to be all sorts. I, I just see something opening up where there's so many more times to meet, but we must meet. It's a command of scripture and there's a grace that comes from it. Quite a few years ago, uh, my wife and I went through a, a really tough time 
in the church. Uh, it's the sort of stuff that befalls all pastors at some point. People turn on you and accuse you of stuff and people are cruel and critical and, and want their own way and, and lie. And I remember that. It was, it was a year of horrendous accusation and terrible pain for Vicky and I. The thing that hurt most, as the saying goes, it's not the attack of critics that hurts, but it was the silence of friends when the critics attacked. And the, the overcoming the silence of, well, for us, it was, you know, friends and staff members and leaders who did not walk in when they could have and said, we're with you. You know, silence speaks so loudly. Thank God for the healing of his spirit. But there's so many times when you have the ability to bring healing and to bring joy and to bring God's presence to others. And if we find that this fearful time instead pushes us all into isolation, literally there are churches that will not survive. We must return to meeting together somehow, meeting in prayer, meeting to plan, to spur each other on to, well, we can't do this and we can't do that. What could we do? It's a time for the saints to be going, what could we do? Because if not, you're going to find our absence of God's people together as gathered church. We're two or three are gathering. I'm sorry it isn't the same on Zoom or Facebook. We're two or three are gathering. There's just an extra something. But there's a missing sound when we're silent. There's a missing sound when we fail to gather. God, give us the grace to gather. Because here's solution two. Here's the truth. Your presence matters. Your brave voice of love and kindness, encouragement, of spurring people on, of giving each other hope matters. You just turning up and Praising God next to someone else instead of online at home matters so much. We must find a way back to being church fully. Otherwise, I worry about this danger point in the church's life. Your presence really matters. In closing, let me read to you from Romans 12 and uh, kind of verse. 12 onwards, says this, the body, another word for the church, the body's a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. We're all baptized into one spirit, into one body. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. The foot can't say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong. And it goes on different parts if the ears should say because i'm not an eye i don't belong in fact verse 18 says god has arranged the parts of the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be that's ah, beautiful teaching we all belong and i don't want the truth of belonging to be stolen from you in this time by this isolated scary time Fear isolates. As I heard one person say, isolate fear before it isolates you. In other words, 
have your fears in the right compartment in your psyche so that you can live freely and live bravely. Your body, your part of the body, the body of Christ needs, needs you, needs your presence and needs your bravery in this time. I pray as we go in, I'm going to play you a song now about Jesus being our healer. Another soothing number because I know we talked about difficult stuff today. As I play this, just bring your heart before God and say, God, help my reasoning to lead me in the direction of rational, not irrational fears. Give me reasoning, not just emotion, so that I can walk out of this difficult time with bravery. And God, help me to realise, even though I might feel small, most of us do, that my presence matters. My absence makes a sound. My silence even makes a sound. I should be speaking up and I should be turning up to play my part in the body of Christ.